What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Star Wars season here on Cinemac Reviews. You can find this season and the Marvel season on Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Today, I'll be giving my thoughts on the sequel trilogy, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker. To kick things off, let's talk Force Awakens. The Force Awakens was released on December 18th, 2015 and was directed by J.J. Abrams. For those that aren't familiar with him, he is best known for Cloverfield, Lost, Star Trek, and Star Wars. Force Awakens grossed a little over $2 billion worldwide, making it the fourth highest grossing movie of all time. The stormtrooper that Ray performs the Jedi mind trick on was played by Daniel Craig. Fans have given him the unofficial stormtrooper number JB007. Mark Hamill and John Boyega lobbied Abrams to allow a Star Wars fan to see the film early. This super fan was diagnosed with terminal cancer and was not expected to live to see the film's release. Disney agreed, and the fan was able to see the film at his home. He unfortunately passed away on December 10, 2015. John Williams received his 50th Oscar nomination for the score of this film. Boyega was so nervous about the idea of not getting the role of Finn that he didn't tell his parents until a, after a cast photo was posted on the official Star Wars Twitter page. Kevin Smith was forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement when visiting the set. Ray's outfit is inspired by early concept art for Luke Skywalker. Harrison Ford broke his ankle on the door of the Millennium Falcon, and a year later, Abrams revealed that he hurt his back helping Ford off the set. Gary Oldman auditioned for a role, making it the second time that he was considered for a part in the Star Wars film. He was approached to voice General Grievous back in Revenge of the Sith. This was Billy Lord's film's film debut. She's the daughter of Carrie Fisher. You probably know her best from her roles in uh, American Horror Story. Ray is 19 years old and was born 11 years after the Battle of Endor. Lastly, Harrison Ford cried after seeing the film for the first time. So it's 30 years after Luke and the Rebels take down the Galactic Empire in Return of the Jedi. The First Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire. Leia leads the Resistance and is searching for her brother. On the planet of Jakku, a resistance pilot named Poe Dameron, played by the awesome Oscar Isaac, is given a map to Luke's location. Stormtroopers led by the newest Sith apprentice, Kylo Ren, raid the village and capture Poe. This is where we get the sickest shot in the entire saga. Before being captured, Poe fires his blaster, but Kylo stops it with the Force. As Poe is taken away, we see the blast still sitting in midair until Kylo releases it. It was such a great idea and was really visually pleasing. Poe's droid BB-8 escapes with the map and encounters a scavenger named Ray. We get a look into Ray's life as a scavenger, and it's kind of depressing. You immediately fall in love with her and relate to her loneliness. She spends her day looking for scraps in order to eat her one meal a day. It was a really nice touch having her live inside a damaged AT-AT. I love all the callbacks to the original trilogy in this movie. On a nearby Star Destroyer, Kylo tortures Poe with the Force and learns that BB-8 has the map. A stormtrooper... FN-2187 frees Poe from captivity. He was a stormtrooper that we saw not fire on the villagers down on Jakku. 2187 and Poe escape in a TIE fighter and head for Jakku in search of BB-8. We get an awesome scene inside the fighter of Poe and 2187 becoming friends. Poe even gives 2187 a new name. He decides to call him Finn. After a brief but cool space battle with other TIE fighters, Poe and Finn crash land on Jakku. Finn escapes, the fighter before... It sinks into the sand and is unable to find Poe. Finn sheds his stormtrooper armor and puts on Poe's cool-looking jacket. He 
He comes across Ray and BB-8, but they are soon tracked down by the First Order. I love the recurring stop-grabbing-my-hand bit from Ray to Finn. Ray, Finn, and BB-8 steal the Millennium Falcon, which Ray calls the garbage, and it's a really funny moment. We get an awesome battle with TIE Fighters around Jakku, and we see Ray just be a badass while flying the Falcon. After escaping Jakku, the Falcon is boarded by none other than Han Solo and Chewie. We get the incredible line from the trailer, Chewie, we're home. This always sends goosebumps down my body. Gangs begin to board as well in order to collect debts from Han. No surprise there. Once a scoundrel, always a scoundrel. Han and the gang escape in the Falcon after a crazy scene of blasters and monsters running loose. On Starkiller Base, a planet that was converted into the First Order's super weapon, Supreme Leader Snoke allows General Hux to use the weapon on the New Republic. This effect is awesome to watch. Watching one single blast take out multiple planets is tragic, but so cool at the same time. Snoke questions Kylo's ability to control his emotions, especially with his father Han. Kylo responds by saying, he means nothing to me. I know a lot of people have issues with Adam Driver's voice inside the mask, but I've always loved it. Being a huge Vader fan, I think it's a great nod to the character, and it makes total sense because Kylo himself is a huge Vader fan. Back on the Falcon, Han figures out that the map is incomplete. He explains to Rey and Finn, who is quote-unquote the audience in the scene, about Luke rebuilding the Jedi Order. Luke exiled himself after his nephew Kylo turned to the dark side, but he didn't just do that. Kylo went full-on Vader and killed the other apprentices that wouldn't join him. Han and the gang meet up with Maz, who offers to help get BB-8 to the Resistance. The Force draws Rey to a vault in inside the basement. She comes across the lost lightsaber of Anakin Skywalker, and I love this whole scene. I love the flashbacks and the voiceovers in it. At the very end of the flashbacks, you can hear Hugh McGregor's Obi-Wan speaking. She denies the lightsaber in fear and leaves the group. Maz hands Finn the lightsaber for safe safekeeping. The First Order arrives, and we get another awesome fight between Stormtroopers and the Resistance. Finn fires up Anakin's lightsaber and kills a couple of Stormtroopers before having a duel with a trooper who has a cool-ass-looking electric baton. X-Wing fighters lead, led by Poe show up and wreck shit. Poe is a major badass in an X-Wing in this scene. Leia arrives with C-3PO and reunites with Han. Meanwhile, Rey is captured by Kylo and takes her back to Scarkiller Base. She resists Kylo's mind reading, which makes Snoke order Kylo to bring her to him. Discovering she can use the Force, Rey uses the Jedi mind trick on the Daniel Craig Stormtrooper who is on guard. At the Resistance base, BB-8 finds R2, who has been inactive since Luke went into exile. The Resistance comes up with a plan to destroy the superweapon on Starkiller Base by attacking its thermal oscillator. Han, Chewie, and Finn use the Falcon to infiltrate the base by light speeding directly onto the planet. This was a really cool concept to introduce into this universe. Finn and the gang find Rey and begin to plant explosives. Han confronts Kylo, calling him by his birth name Ben, and urges him to abandon the dark side. You can see the conflict in Ben's eyes, and Adam Driver is incredible in this scene. Kylo decides to kill Han instead, and it's fucking heartbreaking. Watching this happen in a theater on opening weekend is an experience I will never forget. There was three generations of my family in the theater together watching this happen, and I couldn't have asked for a better theater-going experience. Chewie crying out in anger twists the knife even more for the audience. Chewie is just incredible in this whole trilogy. Chewie shoots Kylo and detonates the explosives, which allows Poe to destroy the oscillator. An injured Kylo pursues Rey and Finn into the snowy forest. Kylo throughout this scene punches his wound, and it's kind of odd if, you, if I'm being honest. I assume it's a tactic to stop the bleeding, but I've never seen someone do that before. 
Finn fires up Anakin's lightsaber once again and fights Kylo, which is a baller move considering he has no idea what he just got himself into. This fight is great, but ends tragically. Kylo slices up Finn's back really violently. Rey uses the Force to retrieve the lightsaber and fights Kylo. We get some more awesome lightsaber action with Kylo and Rey. Rey channels the Force and defeats Kylo by slicing his face up. They're then separated from the planet from falling apart. Snoke orders Hux to bring Kylo to him so that he can finish his training. Chewie rescues Rey and Finn and the Falcon. The movie ends with R2 waking up and revealing the rest of the map. Rey travels to Luke's location in the Falcon with Chewie, and then Rey meets Luke on top of a cliff and, without any words, presents Anakin's lightsaber to him. I absolutely love this movie, and it was probably the best theater-going experience ever, like I said before. There were three generations of my family watching it together. It was incredible, and I will always hold that day close to my heart. From start to finish, this is a damn near a perfect movie. The only negative I ever really had was I wasn't a fan of Kylo being unmasked in this movie. I think it would have been cooler to have him take off his mask in The Last Jedi to reveal that it was Adam Driver. I always loved the mysterious and sinister vibes that Vader's helmet had, so I was hoping that we would get sort of the same vibe from Kylo. Adam Driver is such an awesome actor, so I understand that J.J. Abrams probably wanted the audience to see the struggle in Kylo's face during that Han death scene. Next up, The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi was released on December 15th, 2017. It was directed by Ryan Johnson. He's best known for Brick, Looper, The Last Jedi, and Knives Out. Last Jedi grossed $1.3 billion worldwide, making it the second highest of this trilogy. After reading the script, Mark Hamill said this to Johnson, I pretty much fundamentally disagree with every choice you've made for this character. Now, having said that, I have gotten it off my chest, and my job now is to take what you've created and do my best to realize your vision. Staying on the topic of Hamill, he played the CGI character, Dabu Ske, who is the one that puts money inside BB-8 at the casino. Carrie Fisher died on December 27, 2016. She was able to finish shooting her scenes before her passing. Daisy Ridley was the one to suggest that Captain Phasma's eye should appear unscarred and human. With the passing of Kenny Baker, Anthony Daniels is now the only remaining actor to appear in all the Star Wars films. Laura Dern, who played Admiral Holdo, said pew every time she shot her blaster. They were not audible, but one can be noticed during the stunning scene. Carrie Fisher ad-libbed the line, I changed my hair. R2's hologram of Princess Leia was recreated with footage that was shot for the original Star Wars film. The door to Luke's hut is made from the wing of his X-Wing fighter. There are only two times in the Star Wars saga where a lightsaber is referred to as a laser sword. Luke says it in The Last Jedi to Rey, and Anakin says it to Qui-Gon in Phantom Menace. Joaquin Phoenix turned on the role of the Coldbreaker that eventually went to Benicio Del Toro. Gwendolyn Christie, who plays Phasma, was trained by the same stuntman that she used in the Game of Thrones series. Carrie Fisher's dog, Gary, appears in the casino. Joseph Gordon Levitt also appears in the casino scene at Cantabite. This is the only film in the Star Wars saga to not use the popular phrase, I have a bad feeling about this. However, Johnson has stated that BB-8 says it in binary language during the dreadnought scene with Poe at the very beginning of the film. Lastly, the complex lightsaber movements usually takes three days to learn. It took Daisy really only 90 minutes to learn the movements and get them right. So the movie starts shortly after the battle on Starkiller Base. The resistance led by General Leia is evacuating their base due to the arrival of the First Order. 
Poe decides to lead a counterattack against Leia's wishes. We get this comedic exchange between Poe and Hux that went on way too long. Poe calling Hux General Hugs is funny, but this scene should have been half the length it actually was. Poe attacks the Dreadnought, and it's a pretty awesome sequence. The remaining Resistance forces escape into hyperspace, but the First Order has a tracking device. Kylo Ren attacks the fleet and his fighter, but hesitates to finish the job after he senses his mother Leia on board. His wingmen decided to take matters into their own hands and destroy the bridge, killing most of the Resistance leaders. We then get this interesting scene of Leia being dragged into space, but surviving by using the force to pull herself back into the ship. I'm not a huge fan of this scene, but I respect it, because it's Ryan Johnson establishing that Leia has had training. While Leia recovers, Vice Admiral Holdo, played by the always awesome Laura Dern, takes command. We jump over to Rey, who attempts to recruit Luke Skywalker to fight with the Resistance. Luke refuses and says that the Jedi must end. Now this scene really pissed me off. Rey holds out Anakin's lightsaber in order to give it back to Luke. He takes it, and the first thing he thinks of doing is throw it over the cliff. Like, why? What would, what would compel him to throw away his father's lightsaber? I agree with Mark Hamill 100%. I don't like what Ryan Johnson did with the Luke character in this movie. I understand that Kylo turning to the dark side messed him up, but that's his father's legendary lightsaber. Anyways, after some encouragement from R2, Luke decides to give Rey three lessons in the ways of the Force. We get this montage of Luke doing chores around the island, including the always talked about milk scene, where Luke milks an animal and drinks it right in front of Rey. That was just really weird and unnecessary to include in this movie. We do get a fun scene where Luke tells Rey to reach out to the Force and tricks her with the leaf. That sort of com brief comedy belongs in this universe. At one point on the island, we get a scene of Rey going down to a dark hole and having some kind of dark side turning vision. This scene always confused me because I'm still not sure what exactly Ryan Johnson was trying to portray in it. The multiple rays standing in front of a mirror-like wall was weird and very confusing. I know many fans thought it was hinting at Ray being some kind of clone, but that doesn't really make sense to me. During her lessons, Ray begins to communicate with Kylo through the Force, which I think is a really cool concept that Johnson introduces to us. Kylo tells Ray that Luke feared his power and that Luke attempted to kill him. Luke then confesses that he did that, did think about killing Kylo for a brief moment. This is another issue that I have with the character. We last saw Luke as this great Jedi figure that turned against the dark side and was pure of heart. The Luke that I know would never think about killing a fellow Jedi, let alone his own nephew. Kylo turning to the dark side and his hate for Luke could have been written a whole lot better. Rey believes that there is still good in Kylo, so she leaves the island to save him, just like Luke saved his father in Return of the Jedi. Luke prepares to burn the ancient texts, Jedi texts, but hesitate. The Force Ghost of y Yoda appears and destroys the, li the library by summoning a bolt of lightning. He encourages Luke to learn from his failure. I love this scene a lot. It was a smart choice to bring back the puppet version of Yoda instead of sticking with the CGI that we saw in the prequels. We also get one of the best lines in the film from Yoda. Luke, we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. All the dialogue they gave Yoda was perfect in this film. Back with the Resistance, Poe entrusts Finn, Rose, and BB-8 with a secret mission to take down the tracking device on the Dreadnought. Maz instructs them to travel to the casino town of Cantobite. I hate this whole casino scene. I want to say first off that I don't blame my hate for the Rose character on the actress. Ryan Johnson is to blame for all of it. The character is annoying and terribly written. Finn and the gang run into a code breaker named DJ, 
played by the always awesome Benicio Del Toro. We get a chase scene that involves setting a bunch of animals loose. And again, it's really unnecessary to include that. Finn, Rose, and DJ infiltrate the Dreadnought by impersonating First Order officers, but they are captured by Captain Phasma before they could shut down the tracking device. At the same time, Rey is captured by Kylo and brought before Snoke in the throne room. Snoke reveals that he is responsible for connecting Kylo and Rey to the Force. Over on the Resistance command ship, Holdover plans to evacuate everyone by using small transport vessels. Poe disagrees and causes a mutiny. But before Poe could move forward with his plan, Leia recovers and stuns Poe with the blaster. She orders the evacuation, but Holdover reveals that she is staying behind to cause misdirection for the First Order. Leia reluctantly agrees and tells the vessel and, t- and leads the vessels away from harm. Back over on the Dreadnought, it is revealed that DJ betrayed Rose, Finn, and the Resistance for his freedom and a little bit of money. Hux then orders the Dreadnought to fire on the fleeing transport vessels. It was a good twist, and I liked how it was executed, even though I kind of saw it coming, considering we met DJ in a jail cell in Cantablight. Snoke orders Kylo to kill Rey, but he instead outsmarts Snoke and kills him. This was a perfect way to show how powerful Kylo really is. I love this scene a lot, especially when we get to the fighting between Rey, Kylo, and Snoke's guards. The choreography is incredible, with some perfectly timed slow motion. The music and set design is also incredible. Again, this is one of the most beautifully shot Star Wars films. I just don't agree with the writing in it. After killing all the guards, Rey attempts to bring Kylo back to the light side. Kylo has something else in mind, though. He tries to persuade Rey to join him in ruling the galaxy together. Sound familiar? Next, we get another awesome scene. Rey uses the Force to retrieve Anakin's lightsaber, but Kylo also uses the Force to grab it. They both stand their ground, causing the lightsaber to split in two. At the exact same time, Holdor flies the command ship into the Dreadnought, and it's another awesome scene. I love the beautiful white lights that is uh, there after the massive explosion happens, crippling the Dreadnought. As the ship falls apart, Finn fights Phasma, and it's a cool, brief fight. Finn overpowers her and sends her down a shaft to her death. BB-8 takes over a walker and saves Rose and Finn from the remaining stormtroopers. They flee the ship and head to the planet of Crate to join the Resistance. Rey also escapes, and Kylo then declares himself Supreme Leader. On the planet of Crate, the Resistance is quickly losing hope as they find out that no one is coming to their aid. Poe and Finn decide to stand their ground and fight back against the First Order. Kylo and his army arrive on Crate. Poe and the gang attack in broken down speeders with Resistance fighters while the, while the fighters protect the base in the trenches. Again, sound familiar? Ray and Chewie finally arrive and, pro- and provide backup by shooting down the TIE fighters in the Falcon. Poe orders a retreat, but Finn decides to sacrifice himself in order to destroy the First Order's siege cannon. Rose saves him, and they share a kiss, which I'm not sure how I feel about this, because we don't really explore that more in the next film. So I guess it's whatever at this point. The First Order penetrates the base with the cannon. Luke then appears before the First Order and prevents them from entering the base. We get a great reunion between him and and Leia. He winks at R2 and goes out to confront Kylo, allowing the Resistance to escape. Kylo orders his forces to fire on Luke, but they fail to harm him. Kylo then drops down and engages Luke in a lightsaber duel. The first evidence of something being off was Luke igniting a blue lightsaber instead of his green one that we saw earlier on the island. After some cool choreography, it's revealed that Luke is a ghost. 
If you watch closely, you can actually see that Luke doesn't leave any footprints when he moves around. Luke disappears and leaves Kylo looking like a fool. The Resistance escapes through the back of the cave with the help of Rey, who reveals to everyone her strength in the Force by moving the giant rocks block in their way. The movie ends with Luke dying as a result of using the last bit of his power to confront Kylo. Leia and Rey sense this through the Force. Then Leia reminds Rey that the Resistance will rise again. Back on Canto Bite, the stable kids that helped them release the animals talk about the story of Luke. And it's revealed that one of the kids is actually Force-sensitive because he uses the Force grab a fucking broom so as you can probably guess i'm not a huge fan of this film i don't like what ryan johnson did with the luke with luke and the rose character is just annoying she's not on the same level as jar jar annoying thank god but she's still not written very well the action is incredible and i love all the film how the film looks all three of these sequel movies are beautifully shot and the sets set designs are awesome just like force awakens resembles a new hope Last Jedi had a lot of resemblance to The Empire Strikes Back, which I think is a really awesome. Even though it's directed by somebody else, Force Awakens and Last Jedi still feel like part of the same trilogy. Now, let's switch over to Rise of Skywalker. The Rise of Skywalker was released on December 20th, 2019. It was directed by J.J. Abrams once again. It grossed just barely over a billion dollars worldwide, making it the lowest of the Disney trilogy. Like I said in the last Jedi section of the episode, Carrie Fisher passed away in 2016. Unused footage of Carrie that was shot for Force Awakens was incorporated by digitally removing the background and superimposing it elsewhere. During the celebration scene, C-3PO says that the event happens every 42 years. This is the exact time between the releases of the original Star Wars movie in 77 in the, in the Rise of Skywalker in 2019. With the gap of 36 years, the return of Lando and Wedge marks the longest time any original actor reprises their role. John Williams stated that this would be his final Star Wars film that he would compose. 30 tons of black beans were used as the sinking sand in the desert scene. Adam Driver, who plays Kylo Ren, did all of his own stunts. Billy Lord wore the same outfit that Carrie wore in Return of the Jedi. Their hairstyles also matched. The costume is known as Endor Leia. The Babu Freak puppet was only nine inches tall, but it took seven puppeteers to bring it to life. The serpent was the longest creature made for the film at 25 meters long. It was moved by a puppeteer rolling around inside the belly. Abrams wanted the Death Star to sound haunted, so its interiors were re recorded inside a stack of shipping containers. Lastly, among the droids in Babu Freak's workshop is a battle droid and the robot mascot of Abrams' production company, Bad Robot. So the movie opens up with an awesome scene of Kylo wrecking people. The choreography is incredibly thought out and executed in this opening montage. He obtains a Sith Wayfinder that leads him to the planet Exegol. There, he finds none other than Palpatine. He reveals that he was behind everything. Every voice in Kylo's head was actually him. He created Snoke to lead the First Order and to lure Kylo to the dark side. He was Vader's voice in Kylo's head in order to get him to fulfill his father, his grandfather's legacy. I love the montage of the voices, especially Vader's, as Palpatine is explaining this all to Kylo. Palpatine also reveals his final act as Emperor, the final order consisting of Star Destroyers equipped with planet-killing superweapons. He instructs Kylo to find and kill Rey, who is continuing her training with Leia after Luke's passing. Next, we jump over to Poe and Finn, who are on a mission to retrieve a message from a spy about the return of Palpatine and the Final Order. 
I love the shot of the ice-looking planet that they travel to in the Millennium Falcon. After some crazy fighting with a couple of TIE fighters, Poe and the gang make it back to the Resistance base in, in a pretty damaged-up Falcon that pisses Ray off. This is our first hint of some t- uh, tension between Poe and Ray, which was a little off-putting because we never got any hint of it in The Last Jedi. Ray goes through Luke's notes and discovers that a Sith Wayfinder can lead them to Exegol. Ray, Finn, Poe, Chewie, BB-8, and C-3PO leave in the Falcon to find a hidden clue that will lead them to the Wayfinder. Kylo initiates a connection with Ray that they experienced in Last Jedi in order to find her location. He discovers where she is and travels to her location with the Knights of Ren. You probably remember them from the visions that Ray had in Force Awakens when she touched Anakin's lightsaber. Ray and the game in the game come across the festival I mentioned in the facts section, and they meet up with the man, the myth, the legend, and O'Calrissian. He gives them information about a Jedi hunter and his ship that leads them to the clue in Luke's notes, a dagger inscribed with ancient Sith texts. This is where we get an intense scene with a worm-like creature that Ray heals with the Force. Healing is a huge game changer, even in the Star Wars universe. But it was really only a matter of time before it gets introduced. The First Order arrives and captures the Falcon along with Chewie and the dagger. Kylo finds Rey and we get a brief but awesome action sequence of her jumping over his fighter and slicing the wing off with Anakin's repaired lightsaber. When Rey discovers that Chewie was captured, she she plays tug of war with the ship along with Kylo. She accidentally destroys the ship with force lightning and the audience is left thinking Chewie is dead. My heart broke at this moment when I saw this in theaters. I really thought they killed him off. Ray and the gang escape in the Jedi Hunter's ship and head to a droid smith on Kijimi to extract the Sith text from C-3PO's memory because his programming doesn't allow him to translate it. This is where we meet the cute Babu Freak and Zori, who is played by the always awesome Carrie Russell. We get a touching moment of C-3PO taking one last look at his friends and is shut down. He awakens with no memory and translates the Sith text the Sith text out loud. Ray senses that Chewie is alive, so the group goes aboard Kylo's Star Destroyer to rescue him. Ray finds a dagger and has visions of the Jedi Hunter killing her parents. Kylo and Ray share a force connection, and it's a pretty awesome fight. He discovers that Ray is on the destroyer and arrives to find them escaping on the Falcon. Finn, Poe, and Chewie are able to escape with the help of Hawks, who turns out to be the spy. Kylo reveals to Ray that she is the granddaughter of Palpatine and that Palpatine ordered the death of her parents after they hit her on Jakku. After our heroes escape and head to a moon in the Endor system, Ux is executed by General Pride and is ousted as a spy. On the moon, Rey and the gang figure out that the Wayfinder is in the crashed second Death Star. Rey decides to go on her own to retrieve the Wayfinder, but is stopped by Kylo who destroys it. They have an awesome duel as the waves of the planet are crashing around them. The duel ends with Rey impaling Kylo with his own lightsaber because he is distracted by Leia calling out to him in a dying act. Rey senses Leia's death and is immediately filled with guilt. She heals Kylo and takes his fighter to exile herself. There, she is encouraged by the Force Ghost of Luke to confront Palpatine. This was an awesome moment seeing Luke as a Force Ghost. I grew up watching the original trilogy over and over again, so seeing him as a Force Ghost like Obi-Wan was phenomenal. He gives Rey... Leia's lightsaber, and we get a cool flashback of Leia using it to train with Luke. The CGI and de-aging was not perfect, but it did the job for this short scene. Rey leaves for Exegol and Luke's X-Wing fighter while using the Wayfinder from Kylo's ship. Meanwhile, Kylo converses with his father, Han Solo. This was really heartwarming, but kind of weird to me because I always thought Jedi could only do this. 
After some research, though, it appears he was able to be one with the Force because of his sacrifice in Force Awakens. You learn something new every day. Kylo throws his lightsaber in the waves and reclaims his identity as Ben Solo. Sensing that Leia is dead and Ben is redeemed, Palpatine orders a Star Destroyer to destroy the planet of Kijimi. Rey transmits her coordinates to R2 that allows the Resistance to follow her to Exegol. There, she confronts Palpatine, who is in this crazy machine that lifts him around. It's kind of ridiculous, but I forgive it because it's a dark and intense scene to watch. He demands that Rey kill him in order to pass his spirit into her. The Resistance, led by Poe, arrives and launches an attack on the Star Destroyers, but they get their asses kicked until Lando arrives with reinforcements from across the galaxy. Ben arrives and encounters the Knights of Ren. Rey senses him and uses the Force connection that they have to pass Anakin's lightsaber over to him. I think this is a really awesome concept, and it was fitting to see a Skywalker holding Anakin's lightsaber once again. Ben overpowers the Knights and joins Rey against Palpatine. Palpatine then drains their life forces in order to heal himself, which I think is really lazy writing, but I immediately forgive it because of what happens next. Palpatine throws Ben down a shaft like he was in Return of the Jedi and uses Force Lightning to attack the Resistance. Weakened by the Force drain, Rey hears the voices of past Jedi. These voices include Obi-Wan, Yoda, Anakin, Qui-Gon, Mace Windu, Ahsoka, Kanan from the Rebels, and Luke. I love this scene a lot. It gives me goosebumps every time I watch it because I grew up with all these characters and to hear them speak to Rey was just incredible. The voices give Rey her strength back and she deflects the Force Lightning with Anakin's and Leia's lightsabers in order to destroy Palpatine forever. As a result, she dies. Ben recovers from his fall and uses Force healing to revive Rey. They share a kiss before he dies because of the exchange of life. After seeing this a couple times, the kiss doesn't really bother me as much anymore because there are hints of Rey and Ben having a deep connection together throughout the trilogy. It's not perfect, but it's good enough for the kids to make sense. The Resistance fleet defeats Palpatine's forces and encourages people across the galaxy to rise up against the First Order. The movie ends with our heroes celebrating their victory. Rey travels to Tatooine and visits Luke's abandoned homestead. She buries the lightsabers of Luke and Leia, which was really touching and a fitting end for the lightsabers. We get a reveal of her new yellow lightsaber that she crafted from her staff. I honestly didn't notice that until after a couple of rewatches. We get one final shot of Luke and Leia together as Force Ghost with Rey, telling a passerby that her name is Rey Skywalker, which I fucking hate. She's a Palpatine, not a Skywalker. Own that shit. The Skywalker name should have ended with Ben's death and left alone. Overall, I enjoyed this movie a lot, despite the few negatives I had with it. Like the previous two films, it was shot beautifully. It's honestly the writing that keeps this trilogy from being so great. Having Palpatine come back as the villain was lazy writing, and turning Rey into a Skywalker was stupid. I love all the action scenes, though, and seeing Luke as a Force ghost was just incredible. I had high hopes for Disney in giving us an incredible sequel trilogy, but they dropped the ball a lot. But these are Star Wars films, and like I said in the Solo and Rogue One episode, I accept and respect that they are part of the saga. Now, let's end the episode with my rankings of the sequel trilogy. Force Awakens is hands down my favorite of the sequel trilogy. It's beautifully shot and very well written. Abrams did an excellent job on it. The Rides of Skywalker comes in at number two, and The Last Jedi comes in at number three. I just have a lot of issues with these two movies, mainly from a writing standpoint, but like Force Awakens, they're both beautifully shot. On my overall Star Wars list, Force Awakens takes the number five spot, followed by Rise of Skywalker at number eight, and Last Jedi sits towards the bottom at number nine. I have a lot more appreciation and respect for this trilogy after this most recent rewatch of it, even with all my issues. 
You can find this entire list on Letterboxd under Cinematic Reviews. Well, that'll do it for this week's episode. Join me next Friday for Season 1 of The Mandalorian. It's finally time to get our baby Yoda on. Also join me every week for New Release Monday. This coming Monday, I will give my thoughts on the newest space adventure, Moonfall. But until then, may the Force be with you. Always.